Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. We are on episode 29. With me, as always, my co-captain. Scott Larson. Hey, Scott, how have you been doing? You know, it's been pretty busy. We're trying to get everything set up to uh, head off to TPF. Uh, We are doing the Deep Root uh, preview show beforehand. So just coordinated. I just bought my plane tickets, and so I am uh, all in. Uh, I also... Uh, closed out and uh, at the very end on my uh, on my app it had a little logo that said hey do you want to upgrade to first class <laughs> <laughs> nice so I'm trying to figure out if it's worth uh, you know if it's worth upgrading to first class I believe it's two hundred dollars for the round trip which actually is pretty good see the funny part is is we have an airport here in dinosaur land but it's like a puddle hopper so <laughs> My first class is seriously just either the front of the bus or the end, the back of the bus. And there's like eight seats on the thing. So, yeah, it, what it reminds me of it. Did you ever watch the hunt for October when he's yes. flying out on that helicopter out in the middle of the, the North Sea or the you know, the Atlantic? And mm-hmm. he's just sitting there getting rattled to death. That's exactly what I imagine you flying out of dinosaur land. You know what, man? It's it's fun. It's almost like a roller coaster. Those planes are so small that it, there's a lot of ups. You, you go up really quick and then you drop really quick just because the, the wind pushes you. Uh, <laughs> but I'll fly into Denver and then Denver directly into Dallas. And I've got a nice surprise waiting for me there. My, my father lives in Oklahoma. He's going to come down and pick me up and he's going to come to the convention for a little while, I guess. So nice. I, I wasn't expecting that. So it was very, very nice of him to wine, wine to do that. So yeah, no, that's cool. So what have you been up to in pinball and stuff in the last couple of weeks? You know, I, I still am on the hunt for a Jurassic Park LE. Uh, one of our listeners actually just sent me a link and or sent you a link and you forwarded it to me since you uh, you were the loser kit on uh, Pinside. And yep. uh, he said that uh, there's a lead on a distributor. I don't want to give it away because I don't want someone else staking it from me. Uh, that they are taking back uh, Ellie on trade. And so I uh, appreciate the word, Alan, and we will follow up tomorrow and see uh, see what we can do on that one. Heck yes. I hope you get it. It's it's a beautiful machine. It really well, is. See, at this point, it's not an if I get it. It's a when I get it. And if it's not That's... that one, it, it will be another one. So I, I don't feel like I missed out. This is more of a let's figure out when is the right time to bring it in. Oh, I know exactly how you feel. I'm, I'm also that creak of not if, but when, um, but my hands are tight <laughs> during this whole process of building a house. So, yeah, but, but you have something to look forward to. So, you yep. know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, and, and there are, everybody has those, those grail, li- uh, those grail games that they want to get a hold of. And we have said it before that if there's a game you want out there, just hang around because eventually it will uh, it will become available. We've said it before. If you have a Grail pin out there, just watch for it because eventually someone's going to shake up their collection, uh, and, and you can find it. Uh, I will have to move on a few pins. Uh, I've said it before. I, I I've I feel like I've finished Shrek at least as much as I want. So I will be moving that along. It's a great family friendly theme, but so is Jurassic Park, and so I'll be able to to move that one out. Uh, find a new uh, home for that one. And uh, uh-huh. it's a fun game. Uh, it's it's not super deep, but it certainly uh, has a lot of fun call outs, which uh, most 
most humor in pinball really hasn't been around for about 20 years. So yeah, it's one of the rare ones that has a lot of humor in it. Well, and, and speaking of grail pins, um, last week I got a message from Kelly that's in our group up here in Salt Lake. And he's like, dude, I know you've been watching for Lord of the Rings. One just popped up. He sent me over the information. I texted the dude, the message, had the ad hadn't even been up like 30 minutes. Um, and they were someone already put a deposit down on it. I was like, Oh, well, good luck. You know, <laughs> like I hope you sell it. Yeah. But, how, uh, how much were they selling it for? Uh, 5,400. Okay. Uh, been in his house for nine years and nothing had been done to it. So it could be one of those ones you pop the hood and there could be either a headache or it could be just pristine and you'd be happy with it. So, yeah, um, that, that was how my, uh, Spider-Man was. Um, I should have bought, I, I told you this story before, right? Where it popped up on KSL, which is basically our, our local version of Craigslist here. And, yeah. uh, and I noticed it and I sent it to a guy who was interested in Lord of the Rings. And then I thought, huh, I, I should have bought that. This is back way back in the day <laughs> when I only had one pin. Um, yeah. so he went and checked it out and yeah, it was, it was someone who was divorced and it was her ex-husband's pins and they hadn't been played forever. Uh, yeah. so, it, but the Spider-Man next to it was available. So I bought the Spider-Man. So that's been great. Nice. Well, good. But well, yeah, and, it's, it's interesting when it, when it's time to move on, it's time to move on, I guess. Well, and what softened the blow to is the only place that carries pinball machines within a 20 mile radius of me, uh, actually got a Lord of the Rings in. And so I have been over there every other day. I don't know. I work a lot in that area. So I stop for lunch and I, I play an hour's worth of Lord of the Rings, which is like what, two games. <laughs> <laughs> and so before I got this much time on it, um, I love the theme. I love the game. I, I am having a little trouble with this one because the lock for the sword does not come up at all. So you can't start two tower multi-ball because you can't lock any of the balls and there's no virtual lock for that machine. And, um, but other than that, the game's in really, really good condition. And so I've just come to learn that Lord of the Rings is a fun game, but it's a very wood chopping game. I haven't had this much time on it ever before. And I've realized like you can spend 30 minutes on it and look at your score and it's like 20 million, (laughs) you know, and you're like, what have I been doing? <laughs> well, well, that's so. that's the challenge, and that's the reason why we've talked, and even Keith brought it up last time. The linear rule sets, where um, each each subsequent shot is worth the same amount. So if you yeah. hit twenty shots and they're all worth a million, you get twenty million. Well, it, we all realize that it's exponentially harder to hit twenty shots, and so what they've started doing is having these these geometric or exponential growth on it. So you hit it once, it's 1 million. You hit it twice, well, maybe that's 1.5 million. And then you keep going up. And so eventually the shot's worth 20 million in one bang. And that's the way that you can actually get rewarded for consistently doing something that's challenging. But uh, there's always that danger of having that easy shot where you're just backhanding the loop. Um, And so it, it... I, I feel for all of the all the designers and the rule set uh, uh, magicians out there who try to craft this rule set that actually works well for all audiences. Yeah. 
Well, and, and it's a wonderful game. It really is. I don't know if it's set to default standards or if it's set a little harder, just because it seems like to complete a mode takes forever. You don't have much time to do it, and there is a ton of shots. Like take a battle with the Ents, for example, because it's a great that's a great mode to start uh, Return of the King multiball because you're constantly shooting that tower on the left side. And um, I swear it takes six or eight shots to finally complete that mode. And it's just, you've got 30 seconds to do it. And it feels like the timer never stops. It just, I don't know. It, it, it It's a good game. It's its a really good game. I'm enjoying it. Uh, and, and this is the other thing that I love about Gomez games. And I don't know if anyone else does this, but it, it seems like with Gomez games, he sets up his rule sets that if you start a mode, it goes towards a mini Whittaker mode. But if you complete that mode, it gives you a bonus plus you it working towards a final wizard mode. Um, another example is Revenge from Mars. I loved Revenge from Mars. You had to you had to do the nine modes, and you actually had to complete the nine modes to destroy Mars. Um, same with Monster Bash. You gotta you gotta get all the monsters, but if you collect all their instruments, then you get Monsters of Rock. So I I just that's what I love about Gomez rule sets is just kind of that it rewards good. It, it rewards fun play and people just enjoying the game, but it also rewards those that want to go to a deeper level of the game. So, right. And, and I'm, I, I would bet that's, that was more of a Keith Johnson uh, algorithm that he brought up, but um, you know, cause Keith is the one who did both. Uh, I, I still don't understand how he did this, but he did both Lord of the Rings and Simpsons in the same year which those are crazy deep rule sets. Well, and the other person was Lyman Sheets on Monster Bash. And I th- yeah. I can't remember if Lyman was on Revenge, but there was a lot of people on Revenge. Yeah, so, but, uh, well, yeah, that was, a, that was a hodgepodge. And it looks like Dwight helped out, uh, according to IPDB, uh, Dwight helped out with, uh, with some of the coding on Lord of the Rings too, so. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So, wonderful games. Uh, so that's what... Uh, that's what I've been up to. I, every time I go over to the bowling alley to play, I've got to take my pin shades because they've put it directly under that hospital lighting and I can't see. And I, I just love these things. They, they're very lightweight. People have pointed some other stuff out to me that I just, I hadn't noticed, you know, mm-hmm. traditional glasses are usually heavier. These are lightweight. You, you've, you don't feel like you're wearing them. They're not like sunglasses because, you know, sunglasses are tinted really dark. These, they do have a little tint because they're polarized, but they're not dark by any means. I don't feel like I can't see the play field or anything. So yeah, just love them, recommend them. So, well, it's great. It's great for location play. Um, you do bring up another challenge with location play too, though, is that, uh, on, uh, on routed games, if you have a game that you can put a dollar in and you can play for a half hour, that's a lot of wear and tear on the machine. Yeah. So they try to tailor a location game so the ball times aren't really that long. So and, and even uh, even the Buffalo pinball guys have mentioned, look, it's it's challenging to route a game because if you have a really good player who goes out there, um, you know they could be playing for an hour on a court on uh, a dollar, and so that's why they stopped. Get, they they don't give replays; they just give bonus point you can set uh on the settings uh, just bonus points and uh it's like it, it just doesn't make sense financially because of the wear and tear of the game well point point in case too so my son went with me my nine-year-old and we walked in and he's been dying to play lord of the rings 
but the kitty gambling games are you have to walk past those as soon as you walk in mm-hmm. and he was just enamored there's this one where it had like s- these really small scissors and they had prizes hanging on strings and you tried to time it and push the button so that the, the thing comes out and tries to snip the wire and um he's like that's what i want to play and it's a dollar a play right mm-hmm. dollar just to attempt the snip and there's nothing great in the game it's all like beanies and and snow gloves i'm like did you have these at home but anywho i told him well i'll play lord of the rings you you can play these games but i you can't play many of them well he just started pumping the quarters in and I, i'm watching the quarters diminish really really quick i told him okay here's the deal i figure it was a great lesson moment i said yes if you win something you don't have to pay me back but if you waste all these quarters and you don't get a single thing out of it you owe me my money back because <laughs> i figured maybe if he felt the sting of of wasting his own money maybe it would click <laughs> and so i kept track while i'm playing lord of the rings i dropped two i dropped two dollars in and the reason i did that because you know if you drop two dollars and you get the, a third dollar for free or whatever which is always wonderful with pinball machines. You, you get five plays instead of four or whatever sure. it is. Yeah. And uh, so I played and played and played and I just enjoyed the crap out of Lord of the Rings for the 30, 45 minutes on him on it. And my son comes back. He's like, I'm out of quarters. I'm like, I counted yep. like 12 bucks, dude. And the, the 30 minutes I played, the pinball machine made two bucks off of me. Three minutes mm-hmm. he played, he made $12 off of him. So, well, that, that's uh, that's a Dave Ramsey uh, lesson where he's talking about when the money's gone, it's gone. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I try to, to to teach that with my kids, too. When he goes and they, he wants to do the claw machine, I'll say, look, this is gambling. And the design, the design is to take your money here. Here you go. Here's 50 cents. Go try. And after 30 seconds, the thing's over. It's like, see, you just gave it 50, 50 cents. And so he's he, he's kind of started to understand that those really aren't uh, the bang for the buck. I, you know, I've tried to say, look, if you want that, save your money and go buy that. Or, you know, if, if the goal of playing a video game is enjoyment. And, and so that's, that's your payoff. But uh, having these gambling type games, these basically kitty gambling games, it's like, well, okay, you can try, but I don't think it's, it's going to be what you want. Well, it's depressing too. Is like I don't know if anyone out there has ever watched Mark Rober. Have you watched Mark Rober, Scott? Yeah, yeah, he's on great. YouTube? He, well, okay. Wonderful. So, so trivia question, uh, uh, trivia tidbit. Um, Mark was in the mechanical engineering program at BYU the same time I was. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. We didn't really overlap. I think he was like a year or two uh, behind me. But anyway, that's my claim to fame. Is that. Uh, <laughs> He, uh, so that guy came through my same program. So, so when we were leaving the bowling alley and my son's upset, cause now he owes me $12 of his hard earned money. Yeah. Um, I pulled up Mark Rober. There's, there's, if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. Everyone go watch it. It's Mark Rober, uh, R O B E R. Uh, he does a video on amusement games and there's, there's this one that's a big, big table of lights all it is is a a light goes around in a big circle Uh, if you've ever i know you've all been in an arcade you've seen this game i think it's called cyclone or tornado or something like that but it goes in a circle it goes in a circle 
and you push the button and if you get the light to stop right on the light in front of you, you win the jackpot, right? And so Mark actually makes this bag. He makes a backpack that has a, a light sensor that senses the light and then hurries and pushes the button within like 0.1 sec- millisecond. Yeah. So it should land right on that light. And it doesn't and stop, does it? It doesn't. It, it either is too soon or it's too late. And so he does a bunch of tests to prove that his mach- there was nothing wrong with his machine. And then he goes and finds documentation stating you set up like one in every 30 plays actually wins the jackpot. Yeah. But other than that, it never lands on the light. Yeah. It, so. It's, it's basically uh, the slot machines. That, that's exactly what it is. Yep. Yeah. He's so. actually, he, I, I'm sure everybody's out there has seen his videos. He's the one who has done two videos on the, um, on the porch pirates where he puts a yes. glitter bomb out. And so they take it and they open it and glitter, uh, glitter and fart spray go in their car. So, Yes. Wonderful. He's got a slew of them. There's one where he makes a snow snowball machine gun out of a snowblower or out of a leaf blower. And he thinks he's a ghostbuster. It's great. It's just world's largest squirt gun, world's largest nerf gun. Just go check him out. He's great. So, <laughs> all right, let's, let's move on to some of the news. We're right, meanwhile, kind of rambling. Yeah. Meanwhile, in other news, uh, spooky pinball podcast had their 10 year anniversary congratulations guys 10 years that's insane that is awesome they talked if you haven't checked out this episode it's like two two hours long and they talked about how when they started there were podcasts before them but they kind of gave it up and spooky was the only one doing podcasts at that time and so it's just it's cool to see the progression of where they started with the podcast and their love of the hobby to where they are now i think we all know where spookies end up um Cool congratulations from a lot of people. And then they got a fantastic interview from Doug with CGC. And I haven't, I I apologize. I haven't listened to this whole interview, but I did notice the pinball press on Facebook did post uh, spooky CGC and Ben heck. And it was talking about the two licenses that they acquired. And it sounds like there might be a collaborative effort with CGC and spooky to make a game because because licenses have times on them and if they're just starting Rick and Morty now, or let's say last month in 18 months, you start your next license and that's another 18 months. That next license, that, that second license they have might time out. So it, it makes sense to team up with someone that has another manufacturer line. So, and I could be entirely wrong. I could, like I said, I haven't finished the interview, but th- at the beginning of the episode, they were, they were talking a lot about, Oh, we've got big news, but let's save it for the interview because it has to do with CGC. So, yeah, it's amazing what Spooky has done because they've been around for so long, and we've seen it with even our uh, even our podcasting friends. Eventually, people get burned out, and since this is a hobby for the vast majority of us, a lot of people come and go in different hobbies, and even podcasting can be a hobby for people. So, it, eventually people move on and it the the tenacity that they've had to be able to transition their passion into a company is still just uh, remarkable yes they've had they they've have a combination of working hard and a few luck lucky breaks that have allowed them to be a viable company but certainly a, a big congratulations to spooky and everything they've done 
I'd love to, to check them out sometime uh, if I'm ever up in Wisconsin visiting my sister. Well, if you can, go check out on Prime Video. Everyone has Amazon, right? Go check out on Prime Video. Uh, buy their movie, Things That Go Bump in the Night. I found a better appreciation for who they are and what they do through this video. It's a wonderfully done documentary. Um, it, it Just go check it out. Like Spooky, Charlie, Bug, you guys are awesome. What you're doing is awesome. It's one of the few yeah. feel-good stories for manufacturing and podcasting. So yeah. I, I, I haven't met anybody. You, you may or may not love the product. It may not be for you. And again, that's okay. Not everything has to be for everybody. However, I don't know of anybody who's ever said a bad thing about Charlie and his passion and with what's going on. So again, it's, it's one of the bright lights in our hobby. I agree. So let's move on. Um, I didn't apply for Pinberg. Did you try to buy some tickets? You know, this summer is so bad for us. Um, we're, we're hiring a new group of, of employees. And so we're trying to, to incorporate them over the summertime. So since I'm the one who's in charge of the vacation schedule, I had to ration out uh, times and it would have been pretty hard sell for me to come to my family and say, I know we're not taking a family vacation, but I'm going to try to go to Pinburg. <laughs> so this <laughs> yeah. year, yeah, 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 that, that wouldn't go over well. So uh, in, instead, um, I, uh, I decided that this year's big conference would be uh, Texas Pinball Festival. So I went all in on Texas. And uh, I'm hoping next year to be able to uh, to break away for the weekend and go and do um, and do Pinburg. However, that's assuming that I can get a ticket within the. How long did it take, Josh? Two seconds. Sold out in two seconds. Okay. Now, now we all know we all know how this works. So, um, what you do is you get onto there and you hit um, refresh F five right uh, at the time, and then you put your tickets in the cart. And really, so if there's a thousand spots and let's just assume you can reserve, how many can you reserve up to eight tickets, up to five tickets? Um, I thought it was five. Yeah. So five. So if there's 200 people, they all hop in, boom, they put five in the cart. It's gone. It makes sense. Right now. We all know that if you wait around and you hit F5 at 1215, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those tickets weren't completed. And so they, uh, there are tickets on the secondary market. The good news is, as we talked to Keith last time, I, I don't know of any, uh, any instance where a top tier player or someone who really wants to get into Pinburg has not been able to. And so at least they're able to churn through that, that uh, wait list and be able to, to get it done. However, that still is an amazing feat and everything, everybody at the replay foundation uh, and uh, being able to uh, get that whole uh, Pinberg thing set up. It's a monumental feat and they do an amazing job. There's a reason why it's, it, it's by far the highest rated pinball tournament that everybody wants to go to. I agree. And I think they even raised the numbers too. It's not like a thousand people. It's like 1200 they're doing this year or something like that. You know what? That's a good question. I don't. I don't know exactly the numbers this year. So, but sounds like if you wanted to get in, you're in. So awesome to you guys! Congratulations. I'm not going either. Uh, 
trying to attempt to build a house. That's a whole different story within itself. Um, but it, that should be in the heart of when I'm building the house. And I just can't justify, hey, <laughs> I'm going to go jump on a plane to Chicago right during the middle. I'm the contractor and everything. I've got my contractor's license. So I can't be like, hey, everyone that's that's depending on me, I'm, I'm going to take some days off. So that way, I guess I could. But yeah, anyhow. Yeah, it, it probably would. Okay, I, I don't think you could come home to an empty house and an empty marriage if you did that. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> Yeah, so that's Pinberg. Neither one of us are going. So we'll see you at TPF, though. Okay, however, okay, at the same time, though, um, since I haven't been able to go to, to uh, Pinberg, I still log in, and I really appreciate the commentary, and I appreciate everything they were doing uh, on that. Um, I actually, so uh, after we talked to Keith, and I talked about him cradling that right uh, flipper, and then life catching and flipping again and keeping that ball cradle. I actually did. Um, I, I, I had uh, an hour at work and I was trying to find that exact clip. And so Jeff, if you're listening, I still will find that clip for you. Um, but it, I know it was on Metallica and it wasn't on the second time they played it. I think it could have been earlier. So I'll, I'll find that clip for you. And it's wonderful time to, you can improve some of your pinball skills by just watching that too. Like, Oh, I just saw that. Let me see if I can attempt it on a pinball machine. So, I'm amazed by how well they can nudge without tilting, considering I know how tight those tilts are. I agree. I want to bring up one thing I did not bring up about earlier, about the last two weeks. Okay. Um, and it also bleeds okay. into my next story, too. We're going to mesh it all together. Uh, but I've learned that if you have pinball machines with shaker motors... And you don't like to tighten up the leg nuts for the feet because um, I've got a really weird floor. Anywho, I, I just don't like to tighten them up because I, I feel like it chips off the that sweet, sweet um, coating that's on the, the legs. Anywho, um, those shaker motors will shorten the feet <laughs> on your pinball machine. And if you're getting frustrated because you can't feel, feel like you're hitting any shots and you're just draining constantly, check how what your pitch is at my pitch was like seven and a half to eight <laughs> oh. i was getting really frustrated with monster bash and attack from mars yeah and then I realized oh i need to level these back out i leveled them back out and now i'm happy so if you feel like your collection's just frustrating you check to see if it's leveled <laughs> well so uh, that's actually a, that that's a question though is um does it seem like um in competition games do they disable the shaker motors I think it depends on the game. It depends on the tournament people. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just curious to see because I remember when we talked to Josh Sharp and we were talking about getting a, a premium versus an LE and he actually said he doesn't even use shaker motors. So I, I wonder if that's uh, if the commoners use the shaker motors, but the elite players don't. I think it depends on the game. My CGC games, I feel like it's integrated well. And it doesn't disrupt my play when I play it. Now, I had a stern Star Trek and I had a shaker motor on it. And the shaker motor didn't bother me until you got into multi-ball. And every time you make a shot on stern Star Trek, the shaker motor shakes the cabinet. And even the factory stern shaker motor really shakes it for you. And so it seemed like I just was having a hard time hitting shots because I hit a shot, hit a shot, hit a shot. And all of a sudden the, the motor would shake, shake, shake. You know what I'm saying? And so it was, it was kind of chaotic. And I, 
when it's integrated well, I think it's good. But when it's messing with your gameplay, it's not fun. So, but my other point is too. Um, so I know we've talked a lot about dimpling, especially since Stranger Things has come out and the ball deflects off of that demigorgon and it hits the field and it dimples that play field really quick. Um, but I decided, you know, we talk about these play fields and everything and upset that dimples and whatnot. So I decided to go look at my World Cup soccer because I always feel like the World Cup soccer, it was in an arcade, so it got a little more roughed up than than what a home play would. And I looked at the play field and man, I've never noticed it till I hit it right with the light, but it's like an orange pill. You know what I'm saying? Like the rough texture of an orange pill. And so I've, I've not been so hard on the dimpling now because of that. Cause I, I realized like now that I've looked at that and I looked at my monster bash a little closer, it does have dimples. I know I said a couple weeks ago that didn't, I do apologize. It does have dimples. Um, but so long as it's not creating damage, like I'm not all for like clear coat chipping. That would really frustrate me, but I think I'm being a little more lenient between what you said, what Steve Ritchie said and, and just kind of seeing my games. That I really enjoy that. I don't feel like the dimpling messes with the ball. Um, I, I'm being a little more lenient on it, but I am excited though at the haggis stuff. So I can't wait, wait to get down to TPF. Uh, Damien's doing some great, wonderful stuff with, the acrylic and what I'm loving about this is the transparency. Did you watch this last video, Scott? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, another one other than the, uh, the sledgehammer video. Yes. There was another one because there were some concerns addressed about, you know, yelling of the acrylic. Um, a ball doesn't really just roll back and forth across the play field. It kind of skids when you flip it. Mm-hmm. And so Damien addressed all that. And, um, they took a normal piece of acrylic and and their acrylic and yeah, you saw on the normal piece, it scuffed and whatnot, but on their, their proprietary stuff that they're using, not mm. a single scratch looked fantastic. And the other, this is what I think is really cool. So they got the play field, right? And then they have that acrylic on top, but they've set it up. So that way, if you need to do a top down tear down, you don't have to pull, you don't have to flip up the hood. So you can actually pull everything from the top off and get to wherever you need to on the acrylic instead of like every other game ever made. Like I used to have a Simpsons that was in a arcade and you had to tear the whole thing apart, you know, flip it upside down, pull all the screws out, pull the ramps off, all that jazz. This, this is something like we've never seen before. And I, I think it's a fantastic idea. So, yeah, I, I'm certainly interested too. And, and in, uh, um, in fairness, too, I'm very interested in what Deep Root has to say, too, because we are going to be, or at least I'm going to be down there for the reveal. And uh, they have talked multiple times, even before Haggis got on the scene, about having a, a process that would allow the, the play field to be resistant to damage. Um, the, uh, do you remember hearing the, uh, um, the, Oh, uh, Joe Kamikow interview on the Super Awesome Pinball Show. I do. When yes. They brought up pinball and or uh, pitting or, or whatever. Um, he was actually, yeah, dimpling. He was, I don't want to say dismissive of it, but he just had a very pragmatic approach. He's like, look, there's been dimpling forever. It depends on the poplar wood. You have this steel ball that's flying up and smashing into this wood. 
yes, it's going to do it. Is, is it going to eventually even out? Absolutely. And so he was, he, it seems that the people who are more interested in it are the people who are, uh, I guess, not playing it as much. But I, I'm going to give, and even with Joe Kamikow, because since he's, this is a hobby for him. I mean, his main money is the slot machines. That's what he's making all his money in. And so this is just his his side project. He doesn't really have a, he, there's no motivation for him to hide something. Yeah. And so the, so for him just to say, look, this is, this is just how it, how it is and how it's always been. And so I was less interested or I, I was, I guess I was less concerned about, uh, about play fields after hearing his interview. So, Hey, again, if, if deep root, if Haggis has a better way of doing it, I'm hoping that the other people figure out how to adopt it or license it from them and incorporate it. And in. so, yes, this new technology keeps the, uh, uh, keeps the machines going longer and longer. I agree. But yeah, man, I, I can't wait. There's, there's so many good games that I want to play at TPF. Like I'm excited that I didn't sign up for a tournament down there because I just, I'm going to go around to every single game that I've never seen in Utah and just play the crap out of it if I can. So, yeah. So if you see Josh and I walking around, we're going to be wearing the loser kid shirts. And, uh, and also, uh, our friend, uh, our friend Brad with lit frames, uh, we're trying to help him get some, uh, uh get some, uh, at least some publicity too. So we'll be wearing his shirts uh, at least one of the days. And, uh, by the way, I do have his, uh, uh, I, I do have his frame with the, with the new monster bash translate in it. And I love it. every time I turn it on, everyone looks over and says, Hey, what is that? Cause that oh, looks yeah. really cool. It, it's, it's, it's amazing stuff. I need to, I need to get one. I'm, I've been hesitant because when you don't live in a house that's yours, you kind of minimize or minimize everything that you bring into the house. Cause you don't want to move it out. You know what I'm saying? So, okay. But the one thing I do want, did you see what, uh, Dennis Creasel got in his, uh, pinball paradise, his arcade? Oh my goodness. Well, have you seen the background story to that sweet, sweet Creasel sign that they've made? Yeah. Well, okay. So, so there's that, there's also Ryan Claytor has that too. And I have looked at that a lot. And I, the funny thing is I showed it to my wife and she was kidding, but she said, but our name's not Creasel. <laughs> so, yeah, um, but I would love to get one of these uh, neon signs in my basement. Uh, that would be so amazing to get into the arcade area. Dude, do it. I think it's way cool. Yeah, no, I, I actually did reach out to Dennis and I talked a little bit back and forth. Um, I, I still need to figure out a better way of organizing my pins downstairs, but eventually I will find a, a place, uh, a home for uh, I don't know. I don't even know what I would name it. Would I name it the Larson Arcade? Would I name it? I, I don't know. I kind of like uh, the people who have cool names for their man caves, like Level Zero or, you know, uh, Welcome to the Bear Cave or you know, yeah. Pins of Death. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you should just get the Conan the Barbarian, the, the one that Dan made for you, and just have that with you yeah, and the sword. Yeah, that would be great. So, so background, <laughs> I hosted a tournament, and we have uh, – so Dan – uh, photoshops everything and so he actually uh, had it and i was conan the bulbarian so the, it was pretty awesome uh, actually put like larson's lair or something exactly yeah. and, and the good news is no photoshop was needed because i look basically like arnold schwarzenegger back in the day you know it man you know it i've got my notes too 
I know I haven't, I kind of talked to you about this, but then we kind of got, uh, we had some technical difficulties before the episode and, um, we have a guest coming on. He was supposed to be on tonight, but it sounds like we're going to have him on either next week or the week after to talk about some TPF a little more in depth, but, um, deep root, you're going to deep root. Yeah. You're going to be on the party bus from San Antonio to, uh, to Dallas. Um, I also told him, we are a podcast. If you didn't get that from the loser kid pinball podcast coming in through your email. Um, and we, they've offered to let us record while we're there. And so, uh, I asked him, well, do we pick one person? Is there a list of people? We, we just choose one. And he said, Oh no, we're going to have a hosts of guests. We'll do like a, like a round Robin or like a, just like a round table discussion, or we can even rotate through people. It's speed, speed dating. So I I'm like, this could be awesome. I, I I don't know who's going to be allowed to talk. I don't know if Papa Duke can talk on our podcast. I don't know if uh, what's what's going to go on, but uh, I'm excited for you, Scott. I'm excited. I'll be on this end here in Utah recording while you are pressing the flesh down there in, in San Antonio. I'm excited for you, man. Yeah, no, it'll, it'll be fun. And really, the, the best thing about Deep Root is that J-Pop, I, I think he has a, a chance of redemption. And this is really 100% uh, through Robert's good graces, because uh, J-Pop could have been basically left out to dry and been in uh, in forever purgatory, just outside of the pinball industry, uh, because uh, we all know he's not a great businessman, but he's a fun pinball designer. And Robert picked him up from the scrap heap and really paid off the debts and, and was able to make it uh, make people whole or well above what anybody could uh, could consider would be reasonable and so if there's at least one obvious feel-good story before we even go down there is that uh j-pop has been able to reboot his life this is j-pop 2.0 so i agree and i am i am really interested in getting hold of raza uh with my hands because i've only seen uh, i've only seen uh, the videos and and the uh, the playthroughs, and so I want to feel it for myself because it looks it looks fun and it looks funny. Yeah. Well, I'm just excited for you, man. There's going to be games down there you're going to play. Uh, it's not just Raza, which they've told us. They said they would love to give us more information, but they're they're keeping everything close to the chest because they don't want any leaks. And hey, we totally get it. Um, it doesn't doesn't bother us one bit. But the other cool part too is they will be at TPF. Um, they're going to have a VIP room. I don't know what that's about, but apparently we've got passes for that as well. So uh, there's going to be a lot of cool things going on at TPF this year. I mean, we, <laughs> my wife was listening to the the episode we did after TPF last year, and we were kind of like, oh, nothing really happened. And yeah, we're still TPF. It was fun, but no one revealed anything. You know what I'm saying? Right. And this Th- year we've... This feels big. It, 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 there's anticipation. And I will say also that... Um, so Robert uh, opened up deep, uh, deep root for the uh, for the reveal, or at least the media reveal, and they actually uh, they're putting money into this, guys. Oh, so yeah. they they are they've actually um, paid for my hotel the night before and the night after, and there's also they chartered a bus to get us from San Antonio to Frisco, and I got a ride on that bus, and so. This is a guy who is putting the chips in the center of the table. 
He's saying, come at me. This is what we have. Um, I am super excited to find out what this guy has just because uh, everything so far. Um, yes, there is bravado and certainly justifiably he's caught flack for that, but you know, it's bravado until you back it up. And if you back it up, I, the sky's the limit, right? Yep. But you, I can only see one, two ways. Cause I've seen the schedule. I've seen the things that they're doing for us. I really wish I could be there. I, I just, I cannot make it work that Wednesday. I just, it breaks my heart because it's it's like a one in a lifetime opportunity, but but I'll live vicariously through you. But the stuff they're doing, either a they're gonna try to smooth you into saying deep roots good stuff, which we're we're always kind of you got to play it before you you say it, you know, or they they really believe in this product and they want everyone to not have an excuse not to come down and enjoy it. So. um and I think it's the latter. I think Robert, yeah, he said some pretty brash stuff, but you know, everyone said put up or shut up. Well, now he's putting up. So yeah. we'll find out more here in two weeks, three weeks. So, yeah. And, and the good news is we certainly tend to be on the, I guess the more optimistic side of the pinball podcasting. Uh, and the way I look at it is there are really good things about every company that there, we don't, uh, we don't really brush aside the challenges that we see with the companies though. We're not going to tell you something's good if we don't feel it's good, but I think yep. there are also things that you can see that are positive about every company and what they're doing. Yep. I agree. We, we've already talked this out. We kind of want to do a TPF preview episode. We're going to do that here in a week or two. Um, but I do want to say one thing just because I want to get a small segment out of the way because I want people to hear this before we go to, before we go to TPF, uh, I want to do just a couple twippy predictions. Are you, are you on board with this, Scott? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, I want to save the most predictions till we, we do our next episode. But the one I really, really want to point out is pod favorite pinball podcast. And because I've put a lot of thought into this and maybe it's because I am a podcast and I, I think it'd be really cool to win the award. And I've, I don't know why I just overthink a lot of crap, right? Um, I, I want your prediction, though. Who do you think is going to win the pinball podcast? Well, OK, so Chris at Canada has won the last two years, right? Yes. Uh, he has a very, uh, a very passionate fan base uh, who follow yes. him. And he is a very talented podcaster. He, he certainly has a way of drawing the audience in and engaging them in conversations. Uh, I would be surprised if his uh, if his fan base does not rise up and go for the three peat. Um, I agree. Uh, okay, now, so my money is on uh, Chris and and uh, what he's doing. Uh, I think there are some uh, acceptable, excellent podcasts out there that may not have as as a rabbit of a fan base, but are certainly quality podcasts out there um you could uh you could argue with uh head to head um uh, they they've been consistently high achievers they got the stern pinball uh, uh gary stern excuse me uh interview and if you're being able to bring in uh gary stern into an interview that says something that says you're doing something yep. well um and even with uh Special Winlet, what they were doing, uh, it was certainly aggressive. I think 
they got a little burned out, which is why they're transitioning to a slightly different format and they're consolidating into the pinball network. Um, so I, I would think those two would also be up there. Um, this week in pinball, Hey, they have a fun podcast and I love Dennis. I, I, I love Zach and I, and, and I see how, uh, what they're doing in the future. Um, so if I were to rank the top four that I think are likely to get votes, it, it's probably those. I, yep. So, and, but I, I would be surprised if Chris doesn't get it again. So I agree with you, but I want to put some information out there. We don't know. Okay. First off disclaimer, we know nothing about what no one knows anything. What's going to go on the Twitter. We, we have no Jeff inside Patton. information. Yeah. Correct. We have been asked to, to present an award and we'll talk about that here in a second, but I'm going to give you some numbers and you make the decision for yourself. Okay. Chris Coolers, AKA Canada pinball podcast is on SoundCloud, just like us. And if you go on SoundCloud, you can see that all their listening numbers are public. That we can't hide our numbers. It's not something we can do with our settings. So if if a podcast is on SoundCloud as their main RSS feed, you can look at all their numbers. So if you take Canada numbers, they are anywhere from two thousand to three thousand listens per episode. It's very consistent over the last year. Uh, you factor in interviews and stuff like that. And Chris has some really good numbers there. And so two two to 3,000 is very respectable for That's an episode. That's a solid, solid number. Yeah, absolutely. That is, is a wonderful number. For those that are in the podcasting, in the pinball podcast world, take our word for it. Those are fantastic numbers. Um, our numbers, if you look on SoundCloud, as of recently, we want to thank you because this is awesome. We're breaking over 1,000 thousand listens consistently uh, for the last, what, six, seven episodes? And so, um, but I want to bring up a particular episode. We did an episode, oh, four months ago where we invited Zach Manny to come on. A lot of people gave us some good response to it. They, they said it was a different side of Zach that they'd never seen before. And they, they just loved the episode cause it was, it was very relaxed, but it was Zach puts on a personality when he does his podcasts. And that personality was very tapered down when he was with us. But if you look at those numbers, there, Zach had, that episode had 2,300 plus listens. That is mid-Canada numbers, almost mid-Canada numbers for guest hosting. I want that to sink in for a second. Because we've had other podcasts and we've had... We've had Keith Elwin on. We've had Ed, Eric Manier. We've had Josh Sharp. We've had arguably big names in the pinball hobby on our show. And they've only come to about half the listening numbers of what Zach's episode did. And that was guest hosting. So I can only imagine what this week in pinball got for numbers for their weekly show. And that is why I'm going with this week in pinball as the winner for the Twippy. The bottom line is it's it's a popularity contest. This is this is king and queen of the prom. Like I, it's cool, but I don't want anybody to feel diminished if they don't get that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if if Chris has won it the last two years, 
great. I mean, that that's impressive. That's a testament to what he is doing. Um, if someone else wins it, I, I don't I don't think it diminishes what Chris does. And uh, I, I think it's certainly a possibility that uh, that Zach uh, could take it home. Uh, Zach and Dennis. Um, maybe. I, I guess I'll put a solid maybe in there because it seems like a different type of show. If you, if you look at our show, we the way I look at our shows, if you look in the ESPN broad strokes, we're a little bit more on the outside the lines where we don't talk about everything in pinball, but we try to f- uh, select s- some stories that I think will bubble to the top and be meaningful to people. Yep. Um, this Week in Pinball is more of a – that's more of the sports center, right? You're, you're telling everything that's this week in pinball. And uh, it, it depends on what your, uh, I guess, what your motivation is or, or what your listening preference is. However, Zach certainly is a, his gravitational pull of being able to bring people to listen to him. Um, I think that could be a dark horse of, yeah, it's going to surprise people if that happens because it only, they only started last year with us, right? That's my prediction. I just, I think just after we had him on and, and watching those numbers and, and just doing just a little bit of digging, I, I really think this week in pinball is a strong contender against Canada. Okay. Whoever wins, whoever wins, congratulations. So yeah, there is that. I know some people just don't give a crap about the Twippies, which is fine. Like it, it is what it is. It's, um, but I think it's a cool way to celebrate the hobby. So it, it, it's fun. And, and and I'll put it another way. Um, when I watch Keith Elwin play a uh, play a game, that doesn't diminish my enjoyment of me playing a game. So that's my one prediction. I wanted to get out of the way. I, I think if we're, we're close enough to the to the Twippies uh, that it's not going to affect voting because voting's closed down. But I think we're far enough away that that people will hear this and say, "Oh yeah, loser kid did predict it." I, I hope. I, I think it'd be cool if we predicted, hey, this is this is what's going to happen. So, yeah, I, hey, I, you certainly have a great argument for it. So that's my argument. I'm placing it on the table, and uh, we're going to go from there. So, okay. Uh, two more things. Let's let's hit before we wrap this all up. You remember the last episode? I, who did we have on last episode? I can't remember. Hmm. Who was it? <laughs> oh yeah, Keith. Keith. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that Howard, guy. Yeah. That guy. He's, oh. he, the kid. The the kid, as Joe called the him. kid. Keith the Kid Elwin. It has a ring to it. Yeah. I, I still think Keith the Goat Elwin's better, but hey. Um, well, Kid is a, a kid goat, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. Anywho, uh, we, we threw out the the challenge. If Keith Elwin was to make the worst theme possible, which he picked Laundry Day, would you buy it? Did you see these results, Scott? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I was looking for them and I didn't see them. Okay. What do you think people said? Okay. Well, now I voted on this and it was overwhelmingly at the time that I voted that, yes, I would buy Keith's game okay. regardless. Laundry Day. And and actually, in, in, in many ways, I thought Laundry Day actually sounded kind of fun, kind of like Sunshine Laundry Map. Yeah. We had 30 to 40 people vote. And 66% of those votes said, yes, I would buy a Keith Hoenn game, even if it was laundry day. Yeah. <laughs> that, my good sir, is very impressive. Yeah. You know, laundry day, it's the up and coming uh, game. I, I think that's, uh, I think we should do it. 
we, we should license it. It just goes, it just goes to show that the number one thing, yes, the number one thing on selling a game absolutely is theme. It's been proven over and over again. The thing that keeps it in the collection is the playability because we have seen so many, you know, um, initial release, um, purchases and people lose their affinity after a while because the gameplay is not so good. Um, I, I've said it before. I'm in the minority. I I love the Iron Maiden music. I grew up with it, and I'm totally happy with it. I know that that theme is not the theme for everybody, but that theme is able to ca- be carried by an excellent design. So people still have it in their you know in their home collection, even though their number one band is uh, I don't know Mariah Carey. I don't know. Matchbox Twenty, whatever, or or any any uh, music that's come out the last twenty years. Well, and um, I don't know why I'm I'm thinking of this um, because it's because while we we're interviewing Keith Owen, I hadn't even heard this, and you bring it up, you're like, so what do you think of heavy metal meltdown or, or not meltdown, but heavy metal? And Keith's like, I haven't a clue what you're talking about, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then it, it it had been spilled that day, like an hour or two before we started recording, but we never got to talk about this because, because Keith hadn't a clue what was, you know, it was, it was being made. So, um, what, what do you think of heavy metal? I think it's, they're going to have to thread that needle. Um, this is the same question I had when Elvira came out is, is it okay to be, sexy in 2020. Um, and and I, I really don't want to get into the weeds on a, on a deep discussion, but there certainly is a long history of, um, uh, of themes that have been a male dominated type themes where the woman is more of a prop and just think of most of the James Bond films out there. Uh, so, Heavy metal has a history of being a very on the edge, um, sexualized type uh, theme. However, it tends to be uh, the different one way you could look at it as different is that the female characters in heavy metal don't tend to be props. They're just to be pretty. They, they are, you know, if you're looking at the the gauntlet scenario, you know, you have the barbarian and you have the Valkyrie and they're both warriors. So if you if you take that theme, yes, it's it's entirely possible to find something that threads that needle of walking something that's provocative, but is still acceptable by today's uh, standards. I think it will be challenging Um but this is what heavy metal has been doing for 40 years. So we'll see if they're able to pull it off. Um, I was a little surprised by Elvira being able to pull it off just because it is a different scenario. It's a different time. Um, I, I do think that it's one of those where, hey, it's a contract game and uh, their heavy metal seems to have approached them and they have these these themes or these play uh play fields that they can incorporate with a marketing strategy so it looks fun um that way 
But uh, this is why I'm not in marketing because I have a hard time trying to figure out what really what the response on people would be. Uh, what was your thought when you found out more about heavy metal? Uh, I just, I don't know. It's one of those things that it's not for me, so I just don't care. <laughs> like I saw it, I thought, well, that's interesting. I guess we'll try it TPF if it's there and I'll make a decision. I, I have no emotional attachment to it. I remember seeing the the movie cover at the video rental store when I was a kid thinking, what the heck is that? Because you see the hot chick in the holding a sword above her head, riding a pterodactyl or something. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, it was certainly a, a warrior, a female warrior of, of sorts um, in a, I, I would say, a, a little more provocative um, superhero type outfit that's all chromed out. Um, but you you have seen this in comic books, so, um, even on the X-Men machine. There's, um, comic books have a long history of having a, uh, let's just say, a very risque outfit, especially for female characters. Um, I just, I find it weird. Like I said, I don't, like you said, let's not really get into the weeds. I do want to point out if you haven't watched Carrie Hardy's video on this, um, I felt like it kind of hit some of it on the head. Um, so just go ahead and watch that. I'm not going to recap that whole video. It's, it's a good video. I think it's like 15, 17 minutes long. Uh, go give it a listen. Carrie's a great dude, which, which by the way, congratulations to Carrie Hardy and Emoto for, being the hosts of the Twippy Awards, uh, we'll, we'll be there with you. So we're going to be one one of the presenters of the awards. So we don't know what we're presenting. How do you say Emoto's last name? Because I I only think of her as Emoto, but do you remember how I, I say her last name? I thought it was Harney, okay. H A R N E Y, somewhere. Yeah. So I don't know if she likes to go by that or she likes to go or by she, Emoto Arcade, right? Like Cher or Madonna, yeah, like yeah. a one name. So I, I've always known her as Emoto. So yeah. just wanted to make sure that everybody gets their full due. So. Yep. She's awesome woman. So, uh, very excited about that. So, uh, other than that, I want to make a quick apology. Um, Martin, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we had you on a month or plus ago. We did slam the top 100 me and you. I never talked about the results on the show. So I want to apologize for that really quick. I pulled them up. Um, before we, we announced the results. Uh, did you listen to that? Scott, did you listen to that episode? Uh, yes, I did. Of course I did. I, I it, it was a great episode. I thought you were going to dump me and uh, do Marty after that. So no, never, never. Marty's a great guy. We, we need to have Ryan on sometime and Joe, like, anyway, that's a different yeah. story. Yeah. We, we, we need to get, get everybody on. So we slammed the top 100 with, it was Adam's family versus Pinbot. I noticed you didn't vote though. So do you want to vote now? It might change the result. Adam Stanley versus Pinbot, based off of the discussion. Uh, well, okay. Well, and uh, <laughs> it's been a while, so I haven't really remembered the discussion. However, um, I was on record with saying I would burn Pinbot or a Jackbot to the ground because I think it's an ugly playfield. Oh, true. Yes. So uh, I would take and Pinbot's the exact Pinbot, same. Well, Pinbot so. is like a worse version of Jackbot. So I, I would, yeah, exactly. I would take Adam's family just because it, it started, uh, it, it was a right turn in pinball and we haven't turned back. It, it was basically like the Beatles for, uh, it, it was everything else has 
always been able to tie their roots back to Adam's family. So before your vote, Martin had won by one vote and I'm, I'm still going to give it to you. You did a wonderful job. You kicked my trash at selling Pinbot versus Adam's family. Okay. Well, he hates Adam's family. He hates all Lawler games. Yeah, true. But with your vote, it ties up. So, uh, Oh, there you go. So there it's a time I could, so you're going to have to come back on. We're going to have to slam another top 100. <laughs> so it just is what it is. So we'll see you soon, Martin. Yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> Which he he did announce he's coming to TPF. He's actually going to be at Deep Root too. So if if you've okay, never met, are Martin, we announcing that? Did he announce that? Did he announce he, it or did he just message us? Are we breaking the news here? No, okay. no, we're not breaking the news. Him, him, and Jeff Teolis on their new show, uh, final round. He announced it. So we're 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 good to say. There's all these secrets. <laughs> we got to keep in track dun, which dun, ones dun. have been said and which ones haven't. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Um, other than that, dude, I'm excited. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for TPF. Like this is a dream come true and it's my first TPF. I've always said I wanted to go and it seems like this year we're involved in a lot of stuff and I just, I can't wait. So yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, and, uh, tune in next week. Uh, we did not reveal the surprise guest, but it will be Jeff Rivera from the pinball podcast. And so we will talk to him and we will get our predictions and our anticipation for the TPF. And we shall see uh, what is going to be on the horizon. I think it's going to be a big, big festival uh, that will be friendly to both people who are uh, casual hobbyists versus hardcore players versus enthusiasts versus uh, people who go there to check out the games to buy. So um, a couple other line items really quickly about TPF. We've said it a couple episodes now. We're coming down to crunch time, guys. And gals, if you want a hat, if you want a beanie, if you want a t-shirt, I know this is the first time we're saying this, guys. Dun, we're we're going to make, uh, we did make a t-shirt. I'm going to post it. I was wearing it. May I'll find some better one, bear, someone better to wear it and take a picture. But anywho, I'm going to post the t-shirt. Uh, we're doing them at, Scott and I haven't discussed a price. Um, but I, if, it'll, it'll be reasonable. Okay. I'll tell you what, we're making nothing off these. Uh, the bottom line is we're buying the shirts and whatever the cost is to make them and ship them out. That's basically what we're charging. So correct. M- most other shirts, uh, pinball podcast shirts, about 30 bucks. We're going to do 32. And the only reason is it's printed on the front and on the back and it costs us to print on both sides. So, but we're going to, we're going to post that up there. If you want the shirt, I'll bring them to TPF. If you're not going to TPF, I'll mail it to you. Um, this is kind of going to be like a, we're not going to order a ton of these. So, it might be a little bit of wait time to get your shirt. If you message us uh, at loserkidpinballpodcast.com or sorry, loserkidpinballpodcast at gmail.com, we will hit you up or we'll get you taken care of with a shirt. So, yeah. And we are, um, I am looking at ordering uh, stickers. And so we'll, uh, if you see us at TPF, uh, hit us up and we'll be able to pass you out a few stickers. And we are looking into having a, uh, uh, having a website. So just, yep really starting a basic website or uh, moving up to the bigger leagues and uh, be able to have links to our, uh, you know, basically our shows. You could ask us questions. You can have some sort of things, but also we're going to try to find an aggregator to say, Hey, by the way, these are the products that these are uh, you're maintaining your pinball machines. Click on this link and it'll take you to some of these areas that, so it just cuts out some of the, uh, some of the guesswork on that. So awesome. I'm excited. So once again, 
Uh, we are the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. If you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at loserkidpinballpodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. And we're on Instagram as well. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Scott or me, you can you can message us individually. I'm Josh Root. He's Scott Larson. Uh, we're pretty easy to find. It seems like we're friends with everyone in the pinball community, or at least you, you click on Facebook and says, hey, 100 mutual friends. So, um, it, Like I said, if you want to get a hat, if you want to get a beanie, if you want to get a shirt, you want us to bring it down to TPF, TPF with us, please, please, please hit us up. Um, any way you hit us up, Facebook, Gmail. Uh, other than that, I think I think we're lock cocked and ready to rock, my good sir. What do you say? We are we are fired up and ready to go, and we will see you for our TPF preview in one to two weeks. Can I tease? Can I just tease? You haven't told anyone on on our podcast yet. You're you're gonna special outfit for presenting, aren't you? Are you gonna do, do this? Well, okay, you and I are gonna have special outfits. Yes. Oh. They they are in my Amazon cart as we speak and I just need to hit click go. Now the the um this is the eye candy for all the players out there is that they had one extra large and one large. So one of us may be uh, uh being a little more tight, you know. It's like it's a, <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's like putting a uh, twenty pounds of poop into a ten pound hat. So, <laughs> so we're gonna wet your whistle with that. That's what we're leaving on. So, yeah, exactly. You'll probably need to have your pin shade so you can forget that. So, <laughs> thanks again for tuning in. Talk to you later. See ya.